Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Great to be with you here today. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. This is our show for Sunday, June 7th. 2015. I'm here with my two big sisters. Julie Dolan is in Dallas, Texas. Good morning, Julie. Hi, Leanne. Hi, Liz. Uh, don't mind me. I'm just printing out pictures of uh, Prince George and Princess Charlotte. I thought I'd start a baby uh, photo album for myself. What do you think? I don't think you're alone, Julie. Okay. But that's what I'm doing here on Sunday. Yeah, that is the voice of Liz Dolan. You're here in Santa Monica, California. Liz made a little news of her own this week in the Wall Street Journal and other places. So, Liz, we're going to get the full story on what happened happened. Uh, I'm happy to explain it from my point of view, Leanne. Yeah, there I was. Made a little news. Not not on purpose, I might add. But anyway, just a result of a, a strong position that I took. On corporate governance, people. Yes, so which is such a sexy that. topic. Super <laughs> sexy. You're going to want to hear about this. Uh, after that, of course, we are going to talk about other things in the news. It was a huge day yesterday for royalty, basically American Pharaoh. It was the triple crown of royalty, as Julie's put it. We're going to talk about American Pharaoh, the baby pictures, and Serena Williams. Um, I have an unbelievable story about Pluto. So, you know, the, the dog? No, the planet, Liz. Oh, good. Okay. A little more highbrow. You've really taken up a lot of astronomy lately. I mean, you're really, you brought this topic to us a number of times. I'm very, uh, very excited to hear about Pluto. You know, I feel like I need to keep the satellite sisterhood on all things astronomical. And this is uh, a fantastic story. And I think, Liz, I think if we try hard, we can introduce a new phrase to the lexicon. That's why I'm excited about this. Um, And then Julie has a follow-up to um, not unbuying a house. So we have a real estate story uh, as well here on Satellite Sisters. But um, so this week, Liz, you were in the Wall Street Journal because you resigned from a corporate board under protest. Is that fair to say? How would you describe that, what happened to you? That is correct, Leah. That is How correct. Yes. Flying the protest flag, you resigned, Norma <laughs> yes, Ray. Yes, I did. I And I didn't mean to be Norma Ray. And it's a decision that I wrestled with for months uh, but I just decided that I needed to get off this board. For a little bit of background, I serve on the board of directors of Quicksilver, which is a big action sports company. Uh, you know it as a surf brand. But under the Quicksilver, um, Quicksilver umbrella, there's the Quicksilver brand, the Roxy brand, which is surf for girls and women, and then there's DC Shoes, which is sort of the skater brand. So great company, really great brands. And I was invited a couple of years ago to serve on the board of directors of this company because they wanted to bulk up the board with people that had more expertise in marketing uh, because they didn't have a lot of that on the board and particularly more expertise on international brands. And everything I've always done has been about how to market big brands around the world. So they thought I would be a good match for that reason. And because I had come out of Nike, so obviously I knew the action sports business. I understood these retail channels. There were a lot of reasons why I was a, you know, a good choice to be added to the board at Quicksilver. Liz, can I ask you, yeah, can you explain when you're invited to be on the bo- a board, what, what exactly does that mean? Because you're not 
you're not an employee of the company. How does that work? No, that's right. There's a difference. And this is was very interesting to me, Julie. I really wanted to learn the difference between management, which obviously I have down, right? I've managed a lot of giant companies. There's a difference between management and governance. And the board of directors is a governance body. And they are responsible for sort of, I guess you would say, managing management, making sure that the shareholders' interests, this is a, Quicksilver is a publicly traded company. So the board of directors, it's your job to represent the interests of the shareholders legally, financially, making sure the company is being well-managed and managed with an eye towards the best interests of the shareholders who are out there, whether they are individuals who might own, you know, a couple of dozen shares of Quicksilver or big institutions who might own blocks. So you're there to have a particular kind of expertise, which in my case is marketing and branding worldwide. But there are other people on the board who their expertise was, say, finance or, you know, other parts of what um, a board would need to oversee. And we all we all join in and sort of just making sure the company is run in the best interest of the shareholders. That's what we do. Okay. All right. And you meet like three or four times a year normally? Yeah. Yeah. You meet four times a year and then there are calls in between. And so I've been on the board for about a year and a half. When they first reached out to me to join the board, I got the call from the CEO of the company, who was a former colleague of mine at Nike. We had worked together. Uh, We were both at Nike at the same time. I never worked for him and he never worked for me. It was just one of those things that we were always colleagues and peers. And then after we had both left Nike, you know, by then we had struck up a friendship. We remained in touch. And because he knew he wanted a global marketing person on the board, um, he reached out to me. But then I did have to be interviewed by all of the other members of the board, which I did. And some, which was a time-consuming, extensive experience. I remember you had to do travel. You had to physically meet with them in person. Yeah, Yeah. this took place over many months uh, because you want to make sure that it's that it's the right fit on the board. That everyone on the board can work together. That you have different points of view represented, different expertise on the board, but that you can function as a board. So, um, so we, I was interviewed by all of the board members, but then it's ultimately the shareholders that elect you. And so I had been elected by the shareholders twice to serve on the board. Okay. okay. And it's pretty common, Liz, that for board appointments of these non-executive board positions, that, um, that boards would seek out colleagues or people that they, that they have known in their previous, uh, you know, work, work life. It's, this is not uncommon, yeah, right? It's it's not yeah. A, yeah, it's not at all uncommon. I mean, a lot of the board members, as I was interviewing for this gig, asked me about my previous relationship with Andy. And they all asked me this question because... The number one job of a director really is to hire and fire the CEO because the CEO is the boss. The the directors don't CEO the company. The CEO CEOs the company. So um, so obviously, if you have a previous history with the CEO, that can be good or bad depending on how you approach it. It's very common, though, as you say, Julie. And they, and they all said to me in my individual interviews, you know, uh, Andy is the CEO of the company. If it ever came to that. Would you ever, would you have trouble firing him if you had to? And I said, 
no, that's the job of a director is to make the call on who the CEO is. Sometimes, even if it's a good person and a smart executive, it's not the right fit. Or if there's a disagreement about strategy, these things happen in business. You know, like it's just business. And I think you guys know me well enough to know that. Right. Sure, I could fire a friend of mine. <laughs> Liz, that is, I think that's your mantra. It's just business. You, you really are able, even with us sometimes, it's just business. All right, sisters? We're, we're lucky we have jobs here at Satellite Sisters. That's the way I feel. I, it's true. I mean, I, I so I, I take these things very seriously. And being on a board of directors, you have all of these legal and, and financial responsibilities, especially since the market crash in 2008. There are all of these regulations about how you operate and what you do. And it is very serious business. This is not like some volunteer gig where you're on some nonprofit board and you're just trying to pitch in. It is. See, I think that's the difference. People might not understand that this is different than a nonprofit board. You are actually responsible fiduciarily to the to the shareholders. Yes, yes. If fiduciarily was a word, that would be totally (laughs) true. (laughs) No, I think many nonprofit boards do have you know strong fiduciary responsibilities. But this, you do it because it's a public company and shareholders. That's a very yeah. different dynamic. Exactly. Shareholders are involved, which means the Securities and Exchange Commission is involved, all kinds of things. So so anyway, so I joined the board. Uh, to make a long story short, what happened over the last couple of months is that um, the uh, there was clearly a disagreement brewing between the CEO and some members of the board. And so... Uh, the, so I ended up resigning uh, because they fired the CEO without allowing me to participate in any of those discussions about uh, whether or not he should be fired. And even more importantly, they appointed a new CEO without allowing me to be uh, involved in any of those discussions. Uh, and so that's what... I'll explain more about that, but that's what made the news this week. So because that had to be declared in official documents from a publicly traded company, that generated a story in the Wall Street Journal, which many of you have seen by now, where the headline of the story was, Quicksilver Director Exits Amid Spat. Now, so Liz, what was your thinking about the choice of that headline, the word spat? <laughs> okay, what do you think my thinking was, Julie? <laughs> as soon as I saw that word in the headline, I was like, uh-oh, that's trouble. I know. That's trouble. I know. Okay. It just know. seems like such a um, an emotionally charged word, Liz. It, uh, uh, and that... Um, that uh, it does not reflect, you know, how you uh, comport yourself in a business setting. You right. know, that, uh, right. the idea that, you know, that there was some, you know, it's, it sounds like it, you know, like it was, it was emotionally based rather than fact-based. Right, right. In, in, in Satellite Sisters terms, Monica and Sheila have spats. Liz does not. <laughs> well, I appreciate that on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, Julie Elder uh, printed a comment that said she was described. They didn't. She was surprised they didn't call it a hissy fit. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. another Julie, Julie Johnston, said, "I kept wanting them to say that you packed your Barbies and went home." Uh, <laughs> so I'm. Uh, and she also printed a photo of an actual spat, like the thing you wrap around your shoe. <laughs> so yes, we have have to have a little sense of humor about this. But also, I want to explain that 
the journalist who wrote the story, Joanne Lublin, is a very uh, seasoned senior journalist at the Wall Street Journal. She is an expert on corporate governance. The, the journalist does not write the headline. A whole different group of people write the headlines. And it must be hard to be a headline writer in a complicated word world because you have to come up with super short words for things that are very complicated. So I do not blame Joanne Lublin for the use of the word spat. But I do not enjoy the use of the word SPAC because, as you said, it kind of trivializes um, what really went on here. It's an issue of me disagreeing with my fellow directors about, uh, about corporate governance because I feel like eliminating me from these discussions about firing one CEO and appointing another CEO – that's not really what's in the rules. So, you know, so what actually happened is this, this happened at the end of March or middle of March. And again, another close Satellite Sisters listener noticed that maybe that is when my eyes started twitching, when this happened to me. (laughs) So, so I was, uh, I was standing in Reagan Airport in Washington, D.C. I'd been at the National Geographic Channel for a couple of days, and I got an email. Doing your day job. Doing uh, my day job. job. I run a big, huge, major worldwide corporation during the day. And uh, so I'm coming home from there, and I got an email saying that they were having a telephonic board meeting in three hours. Now, this is very unusual. Uh, because not that we would do something on the phone, that was not unusual, but three hours warning is not the usual warning cycle. You know, you have a couple of days to, to know so that you can be available. Anyway, I was going to be on a plane. In and all of this is spelled out in bylaws. Oh yeah. Yeah. On any board ever, they know there are these things called bylaws that you have to follow. Yeah. Yeah. So I emailed back that I couldn't make it because I would be on a plane, and they told me to call a specific director, one of my fellow directors, after I landed, and he could fill me in. And then then I get on the plane, and there's Wi-Fi on the plane, so I click open documents that I now have about what, what's being discussed at the board meeting, and I see that the documents are all about firing one CEO and appointing another CEO. And... And what? this is the first you've heard of it on first, the plane. First, I've first heard. time. First I've heard is on the plane. So this is all happening without me. And this is obviously the end of a process, not the beginning of a process. You don't just all of a sudden have a board meeting. So like, excuse me, uh, what did I miss here? <laughs> so so I, I get off the plane. It's now, you know, night, dark. I'm in the parking garage at LAX. And, uh, luckily I do not have to drive myself home because if I had, I would have totally driven off the road based on what I heard during the next conversation. So, so I called the director that they asked me to, uh, call and he said, um, he said a lot has gone on here in the last 10 days. So let me fill you in. And the filling in involved, I, there had been a board meeting like 10 days before where I was not available because I was meeting with the Bundesliga negotiating for the worldwide television rights to German football on Fox Sports. So um, so to be totally transparent about this, I missed a board meeting. But at, this is the first one I'd ever missed. But after that board meeting, they felt the board meeting went so poorly that it was after that board meeting that the wheels started to turn among 
the rest of the directors and subsets of the directors, like, we got to get rid of this guy. So this director. The CEO. The CEO. CEO. Yes, yes, the CEO. So the director I'm talking to on the phone is just sort of recounting to me. So, like, after the meeting, then we had this meeting, then we had that meeting, then over the weekend we had a call, then we worked out this, and then we worked out that. So today's board meeting, which I remind you had already happened at the point where he's now telling me this, Today's board meeting was just to get everything done and dusted. That's his exact phrase. Done and dusted. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to dust you. Buddy. <laughs> do, they they know, who, do they know who they're dealing with? <laughs> Apparently not, Julie. Apparently they thought they could have. So I said, wait a minute. Stop right there. The way you just told me the story it sounds like you had five different meetings over the course of the last 10 days, none of which anyone felt like they had to alert me about. There was no email, no call, no, Liz, we need to get you in on this. We're making a massive management change at the company. The like, so what's up with that? It's a, he said, well, I guess the way you put it, we made a mistake. And I said, well, no, that's not my point. My point is you made five mistakes over and over and over and over again. You're telling me you're all getting together. It was board members getting together to decide who the CEO of the company is going to be. So when I said like, how did all of these meetings happen? And nobody thought to like reach out to me, the only director not included in this. We thought you would be very conflicted because of your history with Andy. We thought you would be conflicted. And, huh? And then I let him keep talking. And he said, but most importantly, it needed to be a secret. So then I'm like, head exploding. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the 405 head exploding. I'm like, okay, so let me just repeat back to you what I just heard. Uh, I'm some kind of girl who can't handle uh, having a colleague who I also have a social relationship with, like even though I promised all of you that I could deal with the hiring and the firing of the CEO in a professional way, according to my responsibilities as a director, you just fundamentally did not believe that. Okay, got that, hearing that. And the second thing is that you couldn't tell me this was even being discussed because girls can't keep a secret. You're going to just go tell him right away. So, um, so that's kind of how that conversation went down. Oh god! And it was just um, yeah. Now it's fair to say we should add in here. You're the only female member of the board. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, and okay. so, so it's the elephant in the room. But you're the only female member of the board. So the yeah. five male members got together, hatched this plan repeatedly without you. Yeah. And then when it was a done deal, whoo! Then they thought they could tell you because right. now it didn't need to be a secret anymore. Right. Is and- that a fair assessment, Liz? <laughs> <laughs> Is that? Yeah, apparently they didn't trust me enough to make a thoughtful decision. Uh, But even more than that, because as I said to them after the fact, I was like, first of all, you don't know how I would have voted. You, You don't really know me at all. Why would you assume that just because Andy and I had a history that I couldn't have voted to replace the CEO? That is an assumption you made about me that I think is completely biased on its face. Because I think that's I think that is gender bias for sure, uh, but I think the second more critical issue is that instead of letting my voice be heard, 
remember, even if I had wanted to keep the CEO, they could have easily outvoted me. But instead of just outvoting me, they decided they needed to silence me. Hmm. Everyone else's voices were heard and everyone else was allowed to cast a vote, yay or nay, about firing one CEO and, uh, and appointing another CEO. Everyone had a chance to participate except for me. So, and that was a choice on their part. I think, so now like, so now I'm faced with this, this happens, you know, in March. So then I have to wrestle with the, you know, so what do I really do about this? Uh, the, like, what, what action should I take? You know, and so I, I because talk- they think you're just going to stay on the board. They think you're yeah. just going to let this go and you'll stay on the board yeah. and no big deal. We're through that. We're moving on now. Yeah. All, yeah. It's all good. Right. It's all good. Right. And they said, we really want you to stay on the board. I'm like, first of all, that's not your decision. The shareholders decide who's on the board. So thank you very much, but not your call. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I really... Again, have... just sticking to the bylaws doesn't really... <laughs> I know. Seems like a good plan. I know. But like, I did try to have individual, thoughtful discussions with, you know, four of the different directors. There were others that I didn't talk to personally. But, you know, where my main points were, some directors are not more equal than other directors, right? I'm not some junior right. director. I'm not the girl right. director. I'm not director in training. So, you know, the first thing. The second thing is I was elected to the board because I'm an accomplished marketer. I'm not elected to the board because I was Andy's friend. This is not the Mad Men era when guys could put their mistresses on the board. You know, that, that you And you're not Andy's mistress. And I'm, 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 yes. Yeah, let's underscore that too. <laughs> For the record, no, never, never been Andy's mistress. Um, and the, the, the other thing is that all these assumptions they made about me were, I, I really think just this unconscious bias that women can't make tough calls, that women can't keep secrets and that women won't speak out when they are marginalized. Right. Mm-hmm. So yes, I think they thought I was just going to kind of get over it. <laughs> it's like, and to me, I'm like, have you ever met me? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I certainly, it's not my goal to harm the company in any way. Like, I really enjoyed uh, working on this company's issues. They, they really need to, there are some great brands there that could really be great again. Um, but, you know, I talked to my own lawyer. I talked to other experts on corporate governance and I you just talked to me many, many I did, times I did. from <laughs> yeah. cars I mean, to and just, from airports. And... Yeah, they just, I mean, given given the what the, the circumstances, it 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 made it impossible for you because as Liz Dolan to stay on that board, right? I think so, Julie. I think that's where I really landed. Is that I didn't want to be in business with people who underestimated me in this way, yeah. and who fundamentally did not trust me to do the job of a director. Because this is a big job. You have a lot of legal responsibility. And if we couldn't operate as a board where people have different points of view, different expertise, but we can come together and hash things out, then that was not really a process that appealed to me. You know, I also think not in the best interest of the shareholders, but just for me personally, um, I am interested in serving on a board, but in a board where people have made it clear that my point of view is not welcome, I just don't have enough time in my life to devote to that kind of nonsense, you know? Besides, I really hate being underestimated. (laughs) (laughs) 
So there wasn't any part of you that thought I should stick this out and show him a lesson. I yes, there was a part of me that thought that, Leon. I that's why it took me two months to really decide this. Like, okay, this is this is I can make change from within. Why don't I do this? I I talked to a friend of mine who served on a board, and she said, "What you should do is, you know, the next time you're all together, stand up and tell them the way you really feel about this. Like, look them in the eyes and make sure they understand." And I just decided that I couldn't do that without yelling. <laughs> yeah, when you stand up, Liz, and start talking, you're usually yelling. Yes. Yeah. Well, in this scenario, yeah. so, you know, I just, I really thought a lot about it. And, you know, we also got, I got a um, an email. I mean, I've gotten a lot of comments on our Facebook page, on our Facebook group, on my Facebook page, Liz Dolan, and also email. So I got an email from a longtime listener named Anne who wrote to me yesterday to say she's really sorry that I chose to resign because here's what she wrote. To build your presence as a strong equal, it would be good to discuss with the officers and the rest of the board exactly how you feel. Calmly demonstrate your strength, letting them sense your power of presence that you deserve their respect. And without having to say it in so many words, give the impression that you consider yourself their equal. Um, and, you know, and her, which, Anne, believe me, I clearly thought about this. Um, but in the end, it's not my job to teach my fellow directors how to follow the bylaws of the company, right? <laughs> Um, this is, you know, part of it is personal, but most of it is professional. Um, it's a little late in the game for me as a senior executive to try to like be lady bountiful and let me explain to you how I feel about this. No, I, no, I think I'm a little bit over that besides the fact that we have this shared legal responsibility. So fundamentally it came down to me, do I want to be in business with people that don't trust me? And the answer was no. So on other kinds of boards, maybe if it was a nonprofit board where you don't have these high stakes, like I might have, I might have done something differently. I might have decided take the long view. I'm going to teach them how to respect women. Mm, in this case, I just decided <laughs> too late for that. <laughs> no, and it wasn't as if you hadn't already met with them repeatedly beforehand. I mean, you yes. had tons of interaction, tons of time to prove your worth. Yeah. You had already contributed yeah. to the board in many meaningful ways, and and they still decided to shut yeah. you out. Yeah, so, so it wasn't you know was it you you at that point yeah you're not going to change someone's mind. Right, that's not the role of a director is to. Um, because you know, you know you've done that your whole career, Liz. You have changed. But you have been the only woman in the room for forty years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. At the levels where it really matters at management, you know, and you have made differences in people's lives because of your belief. But enough is enough. At one I point, know. you know, right? I know. There will be other boards I can serve on where I won't also have to be leading a consciousness raising seminar. You know. <laughs> Let's get you on the peanuts board. I think the peanuts people and the Trisket board. Let's get you on peanuts. Yes. You know, it is it is amazing because, uh, you know, you read a lot of stories in the Wall Street Journal and other places about companies looking for more diversity on their corporate boards, that they are, you know, trying to get more women, more, you know, executives of color to join the boards uh, 
and and how difficult it is. So, yeah. you know, it is, uh, you know, for you, I know it was um, sort of an exciting, exciting chapter in your professional career to join this board. And, you know, as Leanne said, I am sure you made a number of valuable contributions to the board. But, you know, that you have to, you know, mm-hmm. use your own executive judgment about, about you know, about whether you want to be in business with them. And, I, you know, and I think that's what you, you just said. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I mean, you're right, Julie. Women make up less than 20% of the directors of companies on, like, the S&P 500. And so, you know, and obviously, I mean, we talk about this a lot on Satellite Sisters, the importance of our voices being heard at every level, like, you know, whatever your job is, whatever nonprofit board you're on, whether it's a a for-profit board like this, just like in your own home, like, (laughs) that's another way where I think like, wow, apparently these guys did not realize, like, I started a talk show about the importance of women's voices being heard. (laughs) So maybe I was not the perfect person to just put in the soundproof booth there inside the boardroom. (laughs) The fact that I was going to take this quietly would not be what people who know me would predict. Uh, Anyway, so I decided to resign under protest, also instead of going away quietly, because I thought there was an important message here about gender bias and also about not respecting your own corporate governance process. So um, anyway, so there we are. That's where I am. Uh, It was certainly an education for me. Uh, There are things that I learned, and I hope there are things that, uh, that they learned too. And, um, you know what, I have plenty of work to do in my real life with my day job that, you know, I think I can just, um, I think I can just focus on that for now and, uh, just let the dust settle on this. So there you have it. Tris, Triscuits and Snoopy, she is available. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, really, please do not, do not hold back. Uh, you know, but I I think, go ahead, Liz. I think the interesting thing about about gender bias is that it is almost always unconscious in this day and age. So I'm sure that my fellow directors feel that the way they behave towards me was not based on gender. I just don't buy that. I do not believe that if I had been a male former colleague of uh, the CEO's that I would have been treated in the same way, that they would have assumed I could not vote independently and that they would have assumed that I could not keep board matters confidential. So um, the I have no doubt that they feel differently than I do about this, but uh, for me, it was just a pretty open and shut case. Yeah. You know, and I also acknowledge if I had been present at that one board meeting that started the wheels rolling, it would have been impossible for them to keep me out of it. But yeah. because I was not present in the room in that moment, it made it possible for them to eliminate me from the conversation. And that's what they chose to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. And it's not uncommon for a board member to miss a board meeting. I mean, you know, they, you don't miss a lot, but right. that, that's not that unusual. Yeah. I mean, I fly from California to France for board meetings, Julie. It's not like it's uh, convenient. Uh, sometimes, but anyway, I do what I need to do 
And I did, in this case, what I felt was right for me as a business person and as a director and as a representative of the shareholders and as a woman. So there you have it. Okay. All right, Liz. Well done. Thanks well for done. sharing, Liz. Thanks for sharing. We're going to miss those great backpacks they make, but you can see, you can still wear the fantastic oh, well. products. I love my big hat that I wore in the Galapagos okay. Islands. Great okay. products. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm sure there'll be more on this. Liz is working up some other stuff. Um, we will have obviously this postcast, this podcast posted at our website, satellitesisters.com. Um, uh, but uh, we'll have also a link to the Wall Street Journal article there if you haven't read it. And I'm sure I'm sure there'll be some fallout we'll be talking about on Satellite Sisters. So I look forward to keeping this conversation front and center, I think is important. Um, it's kind of what we do. Why we do what we do, basically. Uh, all right, Liz, I have now the perfect analogy for you about what's been happening um, in your life over the last two months. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with Pluto, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Okay, Leanne. This seems like a I want to see. Yeah, this ahead. is a stretch. Go, Go for it. Okay, just stick with me here. There's a big new findings coming out uh, this week from scientists at the Hubble Space Telescope that, um, you know, Pluto is a dwarf planet and it has four small moons, Nix, Hydra, Cerberus, and Styx. Those are excellent names. Mm -hmm. Okay. And here's the key about these four moons. And astronomers have never seen anything like this before. Liz and Julie, they tumble about unpredictably as they follow their wobbly, wobbly orbits around Pluto. Okay. These are planets just wobbling about in space, right? Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. I thought it's that nuts. things were very orderly out there. Is, is there no gravity at work? What is happening there? Well, the, the, here's the key. They have weak gravity, these four moons, and they're affected by another moon, the fifth moon, Chiron. They're affected adversely by it. So instead of following a predictable pattern... These moons are just wobbling about in space. And to add to the wobbliness, and this is going to really make you hold on to your hats, these moons, the four small moons, they're not round. They are shaped like footballs. (laughs) Okay, Okay, Leah. Well, no wonder then they're getting the end over end. Okay, I can see that. That's the way I throw a football. Yeah. And so, how is this? How is this related to Liz's um, a big week in business here? Okay. Well, one of the astronomers who's publishing the story in Nature magazine said this line, and I think this is the key line for the Satellite Sisterhood and for Liz. He said about the moons and the expect and the data that they found. It is a fundamentally unpredictable situation. All right. Oh my gosh, Pluto's moons. What is happening in this room? <laughs> Can't you see it? Fundamentally unpredictable. That's like Sheila's whole life is just a Pluto moon situation. <laughs> what you went through, Liz, Pluto's moons. Yes. Just wobbling around in space. Fundamentally space. unpredictable, Ian. You're exactly right. <laughs> so is this going to be our code word, Liam? Yes. Things go awry. Five mics, Pluto's moons. Fundamentally unpredictable. <laughs> So true. So true. Another just super exciting day. Serena Williams winning her 20th Grand Slam tennis tournament at the French Open. Nobody can beat her. It's true. Except herself. She's the only one that can beat her. She almost beat herself yesterday. I mean, for years, for decades, people have been trying to beat her and they just can't beat her. You know, (laughs) she can't beat her. That is, 
So, you know, hats off to her because that is, uh, I mean, it's such a tremendous thing. And they try really hard to beat her. (laughs) I know. It's not like they're not trying. Exactly. They're trying as hard as they can. She's, She's unbeatable. Yeah. And she just looks like she just is in a different game. You know, there are, there are certain athletes, uh, I don't need to tell you, Liz, mm-hmm. you know, international world marketing <laughs> expert that you are, that, you know, but just when you watch certain athletes, you know, they're just like in a completely different league. And yes. so that was very, very exciting. And then the third part of my Triple Crown Saturday had to be when Eileen posted the new pictures of Prince George and Princess Charlotte. Come on, beyond adorable, beyond adorable. Beyond. I think beyond. I, yes, I, I just those faces. Oh my gosh, she's a beautiful little baby, uh, yes, Prince Charlotte. Yeah, really beautiful. And Prince George. I, and you know how impossible that picture is to get. You know, the two-year-old <laughs> yes. does not want to hold the newborn. That is not what the two-year-old wants to do with the newborn at all. No, they want to throw them in the diaper pail or something. Yeah. You know that is. So there they were. I think I'm going to start wearing knee socks, too. What do you think? <laughs> Did you see those beautiful, beautiful... I the blue knee socks. I know. Those will be sold out. I'm sure they're gone now. I'm sure you cannot find a pair of those baby blue, robin's egg blue knee socks anywhere in America or England or anywhere, really. It was charming. I know yes. that's the one good photo she's going to get. The hair was brushed. The baby, everybody was calm and quiet. That's it. So I'm glad we got to see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Julie, yeah. do you think you could ever get your grandson, Benjamin, into knee socks? Have you ever even attempted that? No, no, I have not. I, he, won't, he won't do it, Liz. He will not do it. I, you've seen some of the recent family photos we've taken where <laughs> Benjamin, it does, he yeah. does not like to have his picture taken. And just, uh, you know, lining up lots of Dolans and then trying to get Benjamin to stand still or not frown or goof off is impossible. So I was very impressed. So and that Kate Middleton took the picture. The Duchess took the picture. You're she kidding. Did. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, no, those are her photos. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. that he is does it crazy. All. She, she is single. awesome. She's awesome. <laughs> You know, now, you know, we've talked on a previous podcast uh, about women on the Upper East Side and whether or not they receive bonuses from their husband at the end of the year of just totally screwing up birthdays. It's the right. Pluto's moon, and I... <laughs> We just don't care that much about birthdays. No, no. No, no, but I try very hard, and I take yes. my responsibility as godmother very seriously. I knew the birthday was uh, was coming up. I knew it was in June. I got a wonderful card. I put some cash in the card, and I sent it off, only I sent it to Colin and not to Brooks. <laughs> oh, Colin must have been psyched. So psyched. So psyched. <laughs> the younger brother never gets that kind of benefit. So to get the 25 bucks and the card, and it was, as soon as I saw it come, I thought, huh, Julie's so good with this. I wonder why this is addressed to Colin. I thought, well, maybe it's a nice end of school card, or maybe more likely it says Brooks on the inside, and, you know, there was just a screw up in the address. But no, it said Colin on the inside. Sorry, we're a little late for your birthday, and his birthday is in February, and Brooks's birthday hadn't actually happened yet. So Brooks, the two of them, again, speaking of toddlers and fighting, like Brooks was like, that is my money. And Colin's like, no, no, says Colin, says, sorry, we're late. Your birthday hasn't happened yet. See, I said I was late because I thought with the mail, it wouldn't get there until after the birthday, which I had the right birthday date. I just had the wrong child. 
So that was really Pluto's moon, Lee. Oh, yeah, that Pluto's was, moon. That was end over end, uh, you know, square planet kind of day. Wobbly you know? around. Wobbly, yeah. yeah Julie, was, you just got to be, you got to be lazy like me. I like, I just posted something on Brooks's Facebook page and called it a day. Happy birthday, Brooks. <laughs> Well, Liz, I took time so to to select a card. I always go with a dog card. Dog theme, funny cards. Yep, a funny card. So I just uh, I just want uh, I you know I have sent another lovely card to Brooks uh, for his birthday, so they can uh, so there won't be any more fighting in the monies uh, in your household, and Colin can keep that money. And, uh, and oh, he's keeping not, it. No, he's, he's keeping, keeping it. There's no doubt. Because okay. Brooks tried again yesterday to get the money from him. And he's like, no, I'm keeping it. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, someone's oh. dog is barking. Oh, that's outside my window. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Sunday morning, well, strolling in the neighborhood. So uh, that was quite a birthday surprise mm-hmm, for me. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. But, and just, I have one final follow-up story. You know, last week I uh, disclosed that I bought and unbought a house. And I was feeling kind of badly about just... You know, that it just didn't come together as a, you know, as a deal and that, you know, we were back to square one in terms of searching for a house. And then I read about a family in Annapolis, Maryland that um, bought a house in December Uh, and it seemed like it was going okay. But then their four-year-old found a seven-foot rat snake in the room that previously had been a children's playroom. So the parents were... That's a big snake, seven mm-hmm. foot snake. So the parents are horrified. You know, they, they just, they just want to find out what's going on. They, they bring in pest control and it turns out that the, this room in particular is infested with these rat snakes. Oh, that there's not God. just one, that there's somewhere oh. between 13 to 15 snakes Ew. that are living in the that are that they've made tunnels through the insulation in the house and they're just popping up all over the place and one one uh, pest control guy said the only way to do uh, to get rid of it is to just burn the house down that's the oh. only way we're going to get the snakes out okay so this was kind of a rough situation for that family so yeah. They they did in fact spend over sixty thousand dollars on pest control trying to get rid of the snakes. And here's the thing that if you have thirteen to fifteen snakes like living in your house, you have other things living there too, because snakes gotta eat, right? right. So yeah. what are the I'm what begging is, you to end this story. I'm begging, <laughs> I'm begging you. <laughs> well, so anyway. you're talking like rats and things? Yeah, I mean, what do you I... think snakes eat? Yeah, yeah. Rat snakes? I think they eat rats. <laughs> yeah, rats, mice, they got to eat something, okay? Oh, snakes got to eat. You're right. Snakes got to eat. Snakes have got to eat. That's the thing. So anyway, it's it's not going well. The family has now filed a lawsuit uh, against the seller and the real estate agent, and they're hoping to recoup not only the cost of the house, but also punitive damages. And they just want out this place oh wow. my gosh okay Can you believe well, that so i'm feeling better about my situation when i heard about the snakes Ooh, well that okay. was not really the feel-good story we were promised <laughs> i have to say but i was miserable and it makes me feel better lee and that someone is more miserable than i am in the okay. real estate world okay so i feel better i feel good Leon. <laughs> so it's all relative in terms of feel good okay all right uh well um we are going to do a show Tuesday. I don't know what we're going to talk about now that Outlander's over. Maybe we'll 
maybe we'll see if Julie's recovered. I know we have a few other things to talk about, uh, Julie, on the Tuesday show. Liz, you in town this week? You traveling? What do you, what I am. Are you doing? I'm in what are you doing? What rabble are you rousing this week? <laughs> I actually have to give two different speeches this weekend, uh, this week, Leanne, on, let's see, on Tuesday. Variety, you know, the entertainment publication mm-hmm. is doing a whole series um, called Masters of Marketing. And okay, I'm one of those. <laughs> yeah, right, Liz. <laughs> and yes, you are, right, Liz. Uh, yes. And then the next day I have to do another presentation. It's the big international television marketing conference, which happens in Los Angeles um, every other year. So I'm also a presenter there about a big project we did this year. So I'm just going to be, you know, this is a week of showing off, I guess, but, but (laughs) strut your stuff, strut your stuff, strut my stuff a little bit, but I do want to thank, uh, professor Mary, who has been a guest on our show in the past. She's sort of our technology expert that we turn to when we have issues. I had coffee with professor Mary yesterday, uh, because she was in Santa Monica for a family wedding And so it was fun to get a chance to meet her. But also she taught me something that I may actually use for myself. She was telling me that for her kids, she's got boys who are 13 and 12. And she turns off the Wi-Fi at 9 o'clock at night in the house so that there's no more texting, watching videos. It, like, turns off. And I was like, Mary, you know, I think I need to do that to myself. I think that she's like, it's very easy, Liz. It's just the parental controls. You can do all of that. Just, just you something. can be your own parent. Liz? Yes, I think I need to be my own parent, Julie. I think I need to set some parental controls so that at a certain point in the evening in my home, things just turn off. Don't you think that would be relaxing? I yes. think that would be good. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Yeah, that's good for you and a good suggestion. Yes, from- yes, I thought that was a good parenting suggestion. By the way, for those of you who are actual <laughs> right. parents and need to control, you know, other people's behavior, not just your own. Uh, Professor Mary recommended that. Anyway, so that was fun. I just passed along that little um, self-control tip that she shared with me. Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to have a big week. Don't forget the Women's World Cup is happening now. Lots of good good games on all week and um, lots of positivity. (laughs) Lots of positivity out there in the world. All right, Julie, I will talk to you Tuesday. Liz, have a great week. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.